Wow, isn't the story today amazing? The resurrection of Lazarus. I don't know. I, you know, I get thinking about that, and I'm thinking uh, there are some pretty amazing uh, headlines. Have you ever seen headlines in, in the newspaper that you just went, really? Could that possibly be true? Now, how about some of these? This is, this is one that's really true. This is official report. Only rain will cure drought. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? How about this one? The next one? This is from the Gettysburg Times. This is Ten Commandments. Supreme Court says some okay, some not. I don't know how they get there. Uh, and then this one, I like this one. This is from the Times. 18,000 women recalls for new tests. I thought I might get in trouble for that one, but I put it up anyway. But, you know, I got to thinking about it. I thought if we had read or heard about the... Uh, the, the events of the resurrection of Lazarus that we found in John chapter 11. If you're looking in your Bibles, that's where it's found, John chapter 11. And, and, and we had saw the newspapers the next day. You know, what do you suppose the Bethany Gazette, I made that up, that doesn't really exist, but the Bethany Gazette would say something like, dead man lives. Or maybe it would say, on, on fourth day, dead man comes forth. Now, you have to have know the King James Version to really appreciate that one. But, you know, instead of the, the NIV says, come out, uh, King James says, come forth. So, fourth day, okay. Anyway, visiting rabbi stunned city with rumors of resurrection. I mean, I, I don't know what, what, what it would have been. It would have been one of those kind of headlines that you'd say, oh, come on. Are you serious? You really believe this stuff? I don't know. I, I, would you have believed it if you, if you saw it and read it? I don't know. Is it really possible that these kinds of events could take place? You know, the interesting thing is that most of the Jews believed in the resurrection, certainly believed in the resurrection, the resurrection of some kind. But really, I mean, right in our town, right now, in this place where I live, even the closest followers of Jesus really didn't have the idea that Lazarus was going to raise from the dead. It's not something they would have considered. They certainly believed that Jesus could have healed Lazarus. They'd been urging him, and, or they'd seen him heal many people, many times. And they had hoped that Jesus would have come sooner so that he might have healed Lazarus. But raising him from the dead was probably not part of their thinking. Well, I'm just guessing that the same reasons that that kept them from thinking about Lazarus being raised from the dead are probably the same things that keep us from believing that God might actually show up in really big ways in our lives. Now, I don't know. There are things that hold us back. Uh, it's, it's grief and sorrow. You know, sometimes the very circumstances that describe our need are the things that keep us from seeing how God might show up. Our sorrow and grief and the pain we are experiencing is the very thing that makes it difficult for us to think about anything else. It is the nature of pain to absorb us, our energies, our hope, and even the possibility for something new and different certainly would have described the experience of Mary and Martha. They cry out, Lord, if you had only been here sooner. 
Sometimes I think it's not just our grief and sorrow that hold us back, but sometimes it's just the lack of experience. Sometimes we don't see the possibility because we've never seen it happen. Everyone in the story had seen Jesus heal. The disciples were nudging him to go sooner. Jesus, why are you waiting? But Jesus just delayed. Mary and Martha kept repeating the cry. If only you had been here sooner, you might have healed him. Right up to the end, Martha, the practical one, was reminding Jesus that it had already been four days and Lazarus would probably have an odor about him. They were all about the power of Jesus to heal. But they had never seen someone who had been raised from the dead. We've all been there. Where we reach that point of, I I just haven't seen it, and until I see it, I won't believe it. We're all from Missouri, I think that's right, isn't it? Where the people from Missouri are that way? The show me state? And I'd probably be there. I'd be one of those saying, ah, Jesus, do you know what you're doing? Is this really possible? There are some things that we know, don't you know? We just know this is impossible. And depending on what you've seen and experienced, (laughs) some things might seem more impossible than others. But we probably all got a line in the sand somewhere where we'd say, no, that's just not possible. I don't know. I, I grew up in a in a church, a Nazarene church, and uh, we were a hanky waving, aisle running, kind of wild and crazy Nazarene church. I, I don't know. I don't know what to call it. I was a little kid going, "Oh wow, what's going on here?" <clears throat> but uh, but we had some pretty amazing things happen. Um, had people come down the come down the aisle on crutches and go out running. Um, you know, some, some, some things that uh, I, I couldn't explain. I just sat there and went, oh my goodness, what's going on? And so we have those lines, though, that we just say, is that really possible? Sometimes we kind of get held back, uh, not just because of our sorrow and grief, and not just because of our experience of what we've seen or heard or, or really been around, but, but sometimes it, we have just a challenged belief system. I think one of the interesting parts of Jesus' story is his conversation with Martha about the resurrection. It reveals something about our belief system. It's very simply that we can believe the right stuff and still have difficulty actually seeing how that applies to our lives. How that gets lived out. Martha asserts that, that God will do anything Jesus asks. Jesus tells her that Lazarus will rise again. But Martha doesn't get it. She starts talking about her belief in the resurrection of God's people on the last day, not understanding that Jesus was talking about the present. present. Jesus begins talking about the resurrection, not from the perspective of the future, but as a present reality. In fact, he proclaims that he is the resurrection and the life. 
Again, we can believe the right things and yet be challenged as we apply those beliefs to our day-to-day living. I tell you what, in my own personal experience, I can certainly believe in a God who heals, who heals all things. And yet sometimes, I'll just be real honest with you, I struggle about asking for Norma's healing. I know that's kind of a weird thing for your pastor to say. But it's the truth. It's something. Sometimes I feel like it's it's too big of an ask. You know how they talk about an ask? <laughs> it's too big of a request. It's too self-centered. <laughs> Most of the time I, I want my wife to be completely healed because of me. <laughs> what my life would be like without her. Maybe it's just too far out of my experience to do that. I certainly trust God. And I have great confidence in Him. And I have a great assurance of His love and provision for my life. But asking for this miraculous healing, this miraculous touch, sometimes pushes my, my, uh, whatever, something. Have you ever been there? Am I I only one that kind of gets there? I, I, I believe this stuff, and yet, and yet it, challenges me to really lay it on the line. <laughs> Reminds me of my son who, who told me <laughs> one time when I, I think I shared this story once before. I, I, was, uh, I was a young pastor and, and we were planting a church and we didn't have two pennies to rub together. And, and we were just working hard and trying to make this go. And I was, you may not know this, but I'm kind of a little bit of a worrywart. <clears throat> When it comes to all the little details of life, and I'm the guy that does all the checkbook and keeps all that stuff together, and I'm, and I'm kind of a little bit of a worrywart. And, and finally, my, uh, my son said to me one day, <coughs> he said to me, uh, he said, do you believe this stuff or don't you? That'll wake you up. That's a 13-year-old <coughs> in your face. In a gentle kind of way. But he says, do you believe this stuff or don't you? I mean, you talk about God being the provider and that God's your sustenance and God's the one who's going to take care of you. Do you believe this stuff or not? And I said, yes, I do believe this stuff. And he then said what almost got him slapped upside the head. Well, then stop whining about it. And what can I say? He was right. (laughs) He was right. And sometimes, you know, we have a belief system that says, I believe in this stuff, but the, the actual where the rubber meets the road, we, we don't always uh, extend ourselves into that. Does that, you kind of get that? That makes sense. See, but when I look at this story and, and I, I hear this I see this amazing kind of event that takes place, and I, and I look at this whole story. The thing that really, though, captures my attention is this idea of living in the resurrection and the life. It's when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Now, I don't know. I could read through this story and find probably about 12 different 
preaching points that would really be interesting to look at. I think Jesus waiting four days after he knows Lazarus is dead, when he hears the news that he's sick, and then he keeps waiting, and then he's dead, and then, I think that's kind of interesting. Why did he do that? You ever wonder that? Why did, why did you do that? I mean, does he do that now? I have this request, but he's waiting. Why is he waiting? I don't know. I think the conversations with Mary and Martha about what it might have been if only Jesus had arrived earlier are interesting. And maybe it's just a guy thing. But the whole part of the story about rolling away the stone and he's already been dead for four days and there's going to be a stench, I kind of think that's interesting. (laughs) Who was it that did that? Who would volunteer for that? I don't know if I'd want to be that guy. I think Jesus, when he prays a prayer within a prayer, you know, kind of the prayer to God, but within that he's kind of preaching a sermon. Have you ever, have you ever had somebody pray like that? We were laughing about that in staff meeting the other day. We call them info prayers. You're, you know, it's like you're praying to God, but at the same time you're giving an announcement to everybody else. Oh God, I thank you that you hear all my prayers and I'm uh, praying this so that everyone here will know that you're God who can do all things. You've got to have one of those kind of prayers. That's kind of interesting. I think the fact that Jesus, knowing all that he was about to do, was still moved by such compassion at the sorrow of Mary and Martha and the friends that were there, that he began to weep. I I think that's pretty amazing. And reminds me of how much Jesus cares for me, for us. I mean, he knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. And yet he's moved by their sorrow and moved by their pain. But really nothing stands out to me like this statement that Jesus makes when he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And the part that stands out to me is that he says that in the present tense. I am the resurrection and the life. It's not something that he was, but not is. But it's not something that he would be one day. You know, when they'd all look back after Easter and they go, oh yeah, he's the guy that rose from the dead. He says right there in present tense, I am the resurrection and the life. It was here and now. Life in the midst of death. Hope in the midst of despair. Present power in the midst of the impossible. So many of us are studying the Ashes to Fire curriculum in our life groups. And by the way, I'm going to put an unabashed plug here for life groups. We, we, last week, our life group met, and we had such a great discussion about talking about these very things about why is there pain and sorrow, and why doesn't God, you know, fix things, and it just, you know, there are places that you don't get to talk about that kind of stuff too often, but in a life group, you get to ask those kind of questions. So I, I just say, we're, so we're studying this Ashes to Fire curriculum, and then we're kind of following that track, and, and, and there's, a, there's a great several paragraphs that I just want to read to you, because it, talks about this idea of, of Lazarus 
being raised and Jesus being the resurrection and the life. And so I'm just going to read it to you. It says this. It says, what if Jesus' self-imposed nickname stuck? Jesus becomes known as the resurrection. Would our understanding of the mission of God become clear if we switched from saying, what would Jesus do to what would resurrection do? Or how instead of saying, I want to be like Jesus, we'd say, I want to be like resurrection. What if we lived with this resurrection attitude? What would happen if we lived out the resurrection? It would change everything. It would eliminate the sting of death, sorrow, and suffering. We would embrace life differently, seeing hopelessness as hope in the making, mourning as joy, sickness as healing, disappointment as fulfillment, and death as life. Resurrection living leads us directly into Christ's likeness. This kind of faith is a vital sign of hope and confidence in a God who loves. We hear Jesus ask us, as he did Martha, do you believe? If we live in the resurrection power, we discover that our future hope already exists in the here and now. And that our present relationship with God through Christ is future reality. Our declared impossibilities must be in question. Our doubts must die and rise into faith. If only Jesus would have must awaken and arise into Jesus already has. Resurrection life is invincible. Resurrection power can't die. Resurrection hope lives in me. Resurrection faith changes everything. I like that. It's a good one of those good kind of quotes you just can't pass up. Because it's this Jesus who was and is and always will be the resurrection and the life is in this present tense, in your life, circumstances, right now. I don't have an explanation, and I'll be honest, I don't. Uh, I clearly don't. As to why Jesus works the way he works. Why some are healed and some are not. Why there is suffering and pain in the lives of good people. I just know that he says, I am the resurrection, and the life in the present tense where I live, where I face the stuff of life, where resurrection and death intersect. I can't explain. I can't explain it all. I can't explain hardly any of it. I just know that the one we call the resurrection and the life is here with us. And he invites us to cry out to him. Early in the week, I, um, I was thinking about Sunday and what we would be doing. And, and I just felt impressed like we need to pray. And then I began working on all this. And it, it just kind of came up that this was a good, a good time and a good place to pray. We started out uh, looking at funny headlines. And, and we talked about what would a headline for Lazarus be. In your bulletin, you'll, you'll find something. Everybody find this, would you? 
There's a little, little card like this. It says extra, extra, read all about it. And, and, and I want us to take a moment and, and just think, this resurrection in life, Jesus, who is present now, here, now. As to as I am the resurrection life. I am your answer. Do you have a headline that you'd like to write? If you were writing a headline prayer request, what would your headline read? I'd tell you what mine reads. Mine would read this. Extra, extra, read all about it. Woman miraculously cured of cancer. Doctors baffled. I've got another one that I'd put kind of, it'd be in the religious section, maybe. And it'd say this. This former atheist comes to faith. People I'm praying for. And I want us to take just a moment. David's going to come and, and kind of prepare us with some music. But I... I'd like to invite you to just take a moment and write, what is the big ask for you? Maybe it's out of your experience. Maybe it's in the midst of your sorrow, it's hard to do. And maybe it's, it just kind of stretches your belief system. Maybe you just have not ever experienced it before. But what would be that big ask for you? If you don't have a card, there are some cards up here in the front pews if you want to grab one of those. Because Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Now, here and now. It is the place where his power intersects with our needs. Do you believe this stuff? I do. And it's not easy for me. Father, would you stretch us out beyond ourselves? You are not put off by asking us asking you the big ask. Usually it's just us. We're afraid. We think it's kind of self-centered. We don't know if we can really believe all this stuff. We're afraid of what people will think. Sometimes we're afraid if, if we ask you and what we ask didn't seem to happen. Is that going to change how we think about you? But Lord, you know us, you know our needs, and you invite us to come. And so we come. Hear our prayers. For Lord, you know who we are. We trust you.